All right, Wade Galt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much excited. for having me, Jeff. Yeah, excited to have you on. You know, you're uh, Mr. Three Day Weekend, and like a Homer Simpson dough moment, I go to schedule, and we're, you know, we scheduled this, and then we had to kind of reschedule for today, and I go and say, could you, could you pre-record today's show on a Friday? And Mr. Three Day Weekend, like it just didn't, like it didn't even connect. So I, I felt like such an idiot. So thanks for still joining me on this idiots podcast. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. It, again, I told you ahead of time. You're not the first to do it. I have a friend that took about four or five guesses, and I just kept like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not available this Friday. And just took him a while to figure it out, but it's all good. Yeah. So uh, jumping right in, I mean, how great is it to have command of your time and, and really your life around every week having a three-day weekend? It is, it's really cool. Uh, it's, you know, I'll have some weekends where I, where I have to, or I choose to work on a Friday or something, but overall I'm getting to do what I want with my time and for me, you know, everybody's got their thing of what makes them feel happy, healthy, wealthy. For me, being able to do what I want with my time is the most important thing. Being able to hang out with my family, friends, be able to play beach volleyball on Fridays. That's more important to me than a lot of the other things. And so I've just found that if people focus on that, if that's their number one thing, whatever is most important to them time-wise in their life, it's a lot easier to make happen than most people realize. Yeah. Yeah, you know, let's let's dig into that. I'll, I'll share anecdotally a story. One time, uh, somebody who was in a referral group that I was a part of, and you know, as a realtor, you know, realtors kind of pride themselves. You've heard this, I'm sure. I'm available twenty four seven. If I need to take your call at one a.m., I'm there. And and the first thing I say to myself is, who in the world wants to call their realtor? at one in the morning. I mean, there's a lot of people involved in a real estate transaction. Being lucky to line them all up at 1 a.m., subsequent to that phone call, is not, it's just not going to happen. At least not the professionals you want to do real estate transactions with. Right? It's kind of like going to a heart surgeon and saying, well, can I get in tomorrow? You don't want that heart surgeon. So I shared, I said, you know, this, this whole, like, how many deals have you done that late? You have to take control of your time. And it's only going to come when you do it, right? Because who else is going to, you know, if you don't take control of your time, everybody else. So what are these ways that you've seen success for yourself to, like, kind of grab your time in the day, your time in the week, while still serving the people you serve for your benefit and their benefit? Sure. So I work with insurance agency owners to help grow their businesses. Some of them I help create what I call an automatic insurance agency and help them have a three-day weekend type lifestyle. Well, whatever it looks like. It doesn't have to be three-day weekends. It could be, wait, I want to be working the days my kids are in school and I'll be off for summers, whatever it might be. And I work with other professionals as well to do the same. I also have a small software company. And probably the most interesting one as far as managing your time is the software company because most people expect in a software company that you're going to have nine to five tech support hours, and you're always going to be there. And for years, I've done that. And once I started pulling back on my schedule and really decided, okay, do I want to be the person that's always available? 
Or do I want to be the dentist? Do I want to be the pilot? Do I want to be the professional that does that high-level stuff, but that people can't always necessarily get me right away? Not because I'm trying to be cool, not because I'm trying to create some false sense of importance, but because so many things are not emergencies. You mentioned real estate. Real estate mm-hmm. transactions are not going to happen at one in the morning. So somebody who's calling you one in the morning or 11 at night, that might be their jitters, that might be their issues, but overall, there's no need for that. And, and you rightfully says, you know, a surgeon, a doctor, you're not going to walk into a doctor's office and just say, unless it's an emergency room or unless it's a family doctor you've known for years, you're not going to say, I'm here, uh, let's do this. You're going to go through a process. You're going to need to fill out a form. You need to schedule an appointment, perhaps. And so my first question for somebody is, do you want to be treated like a doctor or a dentist or somebody's at the top of the entrepreneurial ladder of a, of a corporation or company or small business? Or do you want to be treated like the person that is always, at every moment, everything's an emergency? And I, I choose the former. The, the, you know, the latter is not fun. It's not fulfilling. And the minute you start setting guidelines and boundaries to your time, people will start respecting your time more. Whether you change a thing you do or not. And again, it's not meant to be a gimmick. When you simply say, look, this is when it's best for me to serve my clients. I have the most momentum to help certain things. These other days, it's not. So I coach on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm almost not available to non-coaching clients on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Why? So I can focus on my coaching clients Tuesdays and Thursdays and be fully focused, deliver at a very high level for them. And so that when they call on other days, if I'm not available, they know, oh, you know, wait, probably present and you know, delivering at a high level for somebody else. I can wait. This is not ER. This is not Gray's Anatomy. Nobody's using a template. There's no emergency going on. I do coaching and consulting. It's important, but it doesn't have that level of urgency. And so I'm not going to respond to it. Yeah, I love that. I often share with people. So I've got a handful of businesses myself. We'll dig into why we each do what we do and have a handful of things. But, you know, none of what I do is launching rockets or carrying cancer, right? None of it is that important. To warrant, hey, you know, the, the feeling of you, you know, this, that is the worst feeling as a business owner to have expressed upon you from your clients, your patients, your prospects, whatever you call them. It's just the worst that, that like get over here and do, do, you know, answer my back and call. Just, I think one of the worst. And you, you touched on something about Tuesdays and Thursdays time blocking. Um, there's also a pretty big benefit aside from being efficient. And you, and you said you're in the zone doing your best serving for others. What are some of the things that you've maybe knew going into that kind of a structure of setting up your time where you're in that zone, that time blocked out, where you're only doing these functions? What are some things you knew would happen? And then I'm sure along the way, there's been a couple of cool things that have manifested themselves from that time and that commitment. Absolutely. So a few things. So to start out, I didn't know any of this, even though dad's an entrepreneur, even though I've been in this world, I started like most entrepreneurs do. You have a time of the year or a period where money's coming in and you're, you're, you're bringing in the money, you're, you're, you're collecting the credit cards or the checks or whatever it is. And part of you is fearful that, oh my gosh, I have no time. Then you get to another time of the year and things slow down. You're like, oh my God, I have no money. And so I did that thing where constantly just back and forth living in this hyper-attentive state as if everything was an emergency 
never really getting to even feel relaxed, even if I was off from work. So on the weekends, I was thinking about when's the next check coming in, or I have too many checks coming in in too short of a period of time for me to deliver properly. When I started getting more intentional about my time, it was for exactly that reason to say, okay, how can I deliver better? Nobody asks LeBron James or Michael Jordan or Tom Brady or Dan Marino or whoever to just jump off the couch at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday and say, okay, great, throw a touchdown pass. Give me a dunk now. There's preparation. They operate at a certain level. There's a certain rhythm to what they do. Any sort of professional, Taylor Swift, you too, there's schedules, there's rituals, there's timings. And to a lot of people, this seems very haphazard or it's, oh, it's just that's the way it needs to be. But there's a certain way to have your best energy, to do your best work. For a lot of people, I'm one of those morning people. The beginning of the day is the best time for me to do my best work. You can't reach me from probably about, well, the following day before till about 11 a.m., 12 p.m. in a day, unless you're one of a couple clients or my family, simply because, again, I'm going to deliver better if I'm focused. Do you want focused me or do you want frazzled me? And so as I got clearer about this, what became a, a turning point for me, there were two real turning points for me. First is when I started telling my software clients, look, I'm not going to be available on Fridays or I might not pick up as much. And again, in the software world, people are used to 40-hour week service. And at one point, I had a team member. Reasons in the business got a little smaller and it just didn't make sense for me to hustle, to sell more, to hire another team member. So I did the tech support myself. I said, okay, great. I'm not going to be as available. Uh, on certain days or if you have emergencies, you still do have my, my, my number. You can text me and I'll respond if it's an emergency or not. And I know what days they might have that. But overall, just realizing, look, nothing blew up. I told them ahead of time. I wasn't dishonoring or, or you know, escaping responsibility. And then as I honored that more, not only did it allow me to be more present for family, to go out and do things and, and, and get my time when the kids are in school and on a Friday, be at the beach playing volleyball, get to do the things that recharge me. But then eventually, when I would start dealing with clients that are some of my either ideal clients or clients that could pay me quite a big bit, getting in the habit of this is my schedule, it almost felt weird. It's almost like, you know, I don't know, you're really interested in somebody, they ask you out on a date, but then you plan something with your family. Uh, you might, you know, you'll say, okay, well, no, I need to stick to my family. I'm still interested, but family comes first. And it's not, again, it's not a trick. It's not a power trip. It's where right. I actually have a sense of priorities. And then when other people realize, okay, no, wait, it's not available all the time. I mean, one of the weakest positioning, and when I sometimes see, you might see this, when sometimes has a calendly uh, a schedule and they're a podcast host or whatever, and it shows, you know, five days a week available all the time. To me, that tells me their time is worthless. Mm-hmm. I don't mean literally worthless, but as a business person, doesn't mean they're worthless. They might be awesome human right. beings. And I believe, I do believe we're all created equally, all that good stuff. But as a business person, if you're available all the time, you can't be that valuable. It's just yeah. not possible because either, even if you are, you haven't learned it yet and you're going to burn out quickly. So you're still not that. There's certain lessons that you learn over time. Uh, that come with uh, gray hairs like you and I both have a little bit of <laughs> and then, you know, getting your butt kicked that you just say, okay, yeah, I'm not doing that again. And if people haven't learned that yet, it's almost a bit of a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. On the gray hair note, I used to be able to cut them away, but now it's like these last couple of go arounds have been like, son of a gun. They're still there even after they trim it down. Yeah, mine are hiding. I've got, the, I've got a good colored <laughs> hair with them. They're all in here. They're, they're just, they're hiding in little places, but they come out here. Yeah. So they're there. But uh, man, what, what a powerful share there about time and the benefits thereof. Yeah, I'm the same way. My best stuff's in the morning. 
I've actually had people over the years say, man, you must sleep late. Um, you must really like, so one of the businesses I have is a retail mattress store. And they're like, you must really be in love with your product. Cause like, I can't ever get a hold of you in the morning. I, you know, you, you must sleep in till nine or 10. No, actually it's quite the opposite. I'm up, I'm up a lot earlier than that. And I'm working and, um, you know, I, I, it's what I call my freedom time. It's where I'm thinking, I'm planning, I'm scheming. Uh, I'm asking myself big questions. You know, what's, what is my question of the day? That's something I always, um, uh, look to reflect on. And sometimes it's a big question. Sometimes it's a little one. Like the question this morning was, why was I in such a foul mood yesterday, right out of the gate? And, you know, I think I figured it out, but, you know, I had to really fight that back. And, um, and I'm glad I reflected on it because I don't want any more days like that. You know, it was, it was one of those days, but that morning time, and it might be afternoon for others. It might be evening for some, doesn't matter, but that understanding that as this powerful human, and, and I agree with you hundred percent, we all have that capability, but when you put your availability out 24 seven, that capability is robbed that, Hey, I'm available. I'm available. You know, for me, my calendar hours for those kinds of discovery calls and, uh, you know, for my discovery calls, they're, they're, they're woven into when I allow that time to be used. And if somebody picks it up, fantastic. If not, no big deal. I can continue on. Right. Um, yeah, podcast show because I live stream. It's like I'm booked out till July. Actually, my team needs me to open up more dates. Uh, cause I just don't have them available, but that control of time, it can be a scary thing. How have you helped some folks get over that scariness? You know, so there's, there's a few things. First of all, a lot of people don't have awareness about what they do best and what is their absolute best work. So for example, if you are a pilot, you might say, you know, what do you get paid for? You really get paid to, to fly the plane. You know, when you're flying the plane, you're making money. You might be waiting in the airport, but that's what you're, you're paid for. It's pretty clear. If you're a musician, you know what you're paid for. And so if I'm a coach, I know, okay, during those hours that I'm billing, that's kind of clear. For some people, it's not as clear. Now, of course, I have to do some marketing. But I, I think what happens is people overcomplicate things. So like you, I have a podcast, like you have a business, like you have certain things. Sometimes I'm getting paid money for my time. Sometimes in my software business, it's a residual income business. Sometimes I'm connecting with people and I'm learning. I'm not directly making money. I'm maybe playing a long game and I'm learning some things. But it gets scary to let go of things if you don't know what actually makes you money. If you know what makes you money and you know what you enjoy, you can say, okay, well, I can put aside work I enjoy as long as I still do the things that make me money. So most of us in a, let's say, a traditional 40-hour work week, we're not doing 40 hours worth of productive work. We might be, most entrepreneurs might be, let's say, 30 to 40% of the time at most, somewhere between 20 to 40% of the time, they're doing something that makes them money. I'm talking more, let's say, solopreneur, eight to 10 people. That's mm -hmm. a lot of my, my sweet spot of who I serve. And so much the other time, it's not that they're acting busy, but they're doing work in a way that because it's not batched, because there's no momentum, because they're literally doing it as if... They're working at a grocery store and, and somebody's just coming to the checkout counter. And as if they have to take everything in the order that it comes in, as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to do these things at a certain time. 
I'm going to get some momentum and these things at a certain time. So much of their time is being wasted in shifting from one thing to another. I'm sure you know this, the idea that it takes us usually anywhere from 20 minutes or more to get refocused to a task when we get distracted from something. People on social media, people having their, even even this idea, again, of hyper-availability where your notifications are coming on. My oh, phone is on, do not disturb. I can't even see it right now. It's it's hidden under here, underneath my desk. I can't see it. Because if I see it, I might you know, need to. Now, of course, on my do not disturb, yes, my family, this so emergencies can still reach me. Um, but overall, I think most people are scared to let go because they think everything is valuable and everything is not valuable. And so just think, well, what if you did just for one week, you said, okay, imagine I was going to vacation and I'm going to take this Friday off. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to plan something awesome. Because if you don't plan something awesome, you'll just show up because default, well, men will say, inertia will say, okay, great. I show up to the office. So you plan something awesome. Maybe it's with your wife and kids or your family. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something you've always wanted to do. You plan something awesome. You say, great, I'm finishing work. Even if it's 11.59, I'm finishing work Thursday, I'm going to enjoy Friday. And then you look at, okay, well, what did I let go of? What did I push back? What did I ignore? What did I just postpone? What if I did it again and again? And you don't always have to take the Friday off. You might say, wait, I'm going to take one of those Fridays and I've been wanting to start a new business or I've been wanting to volunteer. It's not so much about mm. saying, I refuse to work and, and holding your hands like, I'm not going to work. It's about saying, could you get the same results in less time? And if you could, then what would you do with that extra time? Some of it might go to your family. Some of it might go to hobbies. Uh, if you have children, there's nothing quite like having your kids in school. School's the best babysitter. You go do what you want to do during the day, you and your spouse. If you want time away from the kids, you don't want to pay for a babysitter. Uh, kids are in school. Great. You have time. This is what a lot of times my wife and I go to the beach. Um, so a lot of it's just about really knowing what makes you money. And if this is the case, being open to the idea that maybe your free time, your purely free time, like no work, is more fun than the hobby-like work that you do. So I love doing spreadsheets and PowerPoints and pretty colored stuff, but I don't like them as much as going to the beach. So a lot of the times I'm procrastinating with the pretty work, but then it's costing me not doing the coaching work. So now I have to work longer hours. If I said, well, hold on, what's really at stake here is do I want to be doing PowerPoints or do I want to be on the beach? I want to be on the beach. Okay, put the PowerPoint aside, get the virtual assistant or the executive assistant to do it or the PowerPoint experts to do that. And yep. yes, Wade, and it's not even really eating a frog in any huge way, like Brian Tracy would say. It's just like, okay, do what actually gets results that you know gets results. And I hate to break it to everybody. I know you know this. The stuff that is consistent and steady and makes you a lot of money, you're probably a little bored of because you've been doing it for a while, but that's why it's steady and consistent and makes you a lot of money. The stuff that's really, really exciting might not make you squat for money. Still do it, but don't necessarily expect it's going to make you. Right. Man, I love all of that. I mean, what a great, uh, breakdown on how to think about time, think about what motivates you. You know, I often say to folks that I work with, you know, I, I use shift into your own investor seat, right? Like as a business owner, your core focus should be making good decisions. If you can get in that seat of where all you do is make good decisions for your business, as opposed to swinging the hammers and turning the wrenches and pulling the teeth, you know, life really begins to open up and, and, you know, your thing's three-day weekend. I like to say life and business on your terms. And I love how you say, even though Friday may not be off, it might be volunteering. Like that, that was like, you know, some people speak in love languages. That was for me because I love how people, and I love when businesses and people give back to their community. So like, think about your time that way. And, and for a long time, I'll be 
completely transparent here, for a long time, I equated my worth in contributions back to work, to hard work. Like we had this conversation, my wife and I had this conversation, I guess it was this morning about our oldest son. And, you know, when I was his age, I had three jobs because I had to. It's on my own at 17 and a half, you know, had no money, started out rough. And, you know, I had to work those three different jobs and they were hard jobs, construction. Two out of three were construction jobs. And the third one was part-time cashier at a quick, at a quick shop, like a, like a convenience store. And, um, you know, I don't want that for my oldest son, but then we do want to find balance between what he is doing and, and what I did. And, but I found for a long time, I equated my worth to hard work. I'm sure you've heard that before. Oh, I've heard it. I've done it. Yeah. So I'm off of that now, but if you were coaching Jeff up back then, what would you say? Yeah, well, there, there's a couple things. So the, the simplest one I do, which is actually a little ridiculous, but it, it, I, it still holds true, is if you cut my lawn with a pair of scissors or if you cut my lawn with a lawnmower, I'm paying you the same amount. So I, I'm not interested. I don't care about your suffering. There is no, there's nothing inherently good about suffering. And in fact, if it's taking you 50 hours to do a 30-hour job, you're not hardworking. You're an idiot. I mean, maybe you're not an idiot, but that's, but that's idiotic. That's stupid. Now, if you tell me in those hours you're doing more, that's fine. But if you look at, there's so many studies of the corporate world. People say, I worked 60, 70, 80 hours. They're like, okay, we tried how many hours I actually worked. 42, 43. People mm-hmm. are wasting time. Now, granted, social life can be cool in those areas. So not an insult there. But first of all, a lot of people are faking about what they can do. There's, there's so many studies that show that most people can only give about five to six really good hours of work. And that's if you're, you know, in my case, I'm using a sleep track. I use the war device. I'm, I'm doing my best to eat well. I'm getting good sleep. I exercise. I do yoga regularly. I play volleyball regularly. I bike regularly. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing things for energy, not even specifically to look a certain way, but to have levels of energy. And still for me, what, six to seven good hours of creative hours. Now I can do two, three, four, five, six hours of just random extra stuff. But if that's autopilot stuff, then it's really not high level stuff. I should be giving that to somebody else. And so again, this idea that there's nobility in working hard, there's also nobility in being present for your, your spouse or your partner. If you've committed that, there's nobility in being present for your children, being there to raise them. So again, this idea that one thing is better than another, it, it, it it's, well, put it this way. It reminds me of when I used to coach soccer when our kids, when they were younger and we had, um, we had a bunch of, it was, I think it was five or six year olds, old kids in the team. And I remember I noticed there was basically two types of coaches. There were the coaches who had played soccer and they were coaching their kids with strategy. Do this, go to the open space, pass here, call for the ball, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And there was other parents, still really good parents, but they'd not studied soccer. And what did you hear come out of their mouths? Run faster, try harder, hustle. They didn't know what the heck to say. So you said, well, go, go quicker. I don't know. And there, again, I, you, know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, just throw massive action and stuff. That's great. Sometimes you can do that. If you have a spouse and children, you might not have time to do that. If you have certain bills and certain obligations, you might not have time. So for me, again, the hustle thing, hustle is required at some point. But as I like to tell people, I hustle four days in my, for my clients and I hustle three days for my loved ones and myself. Mm. So, so. There's your hustle. And by the way, the hustle used yep. to be fun. It was a dance in the 70s. Do the hustle. 
And so is grinding. <laughs> grinding was fun too, in a different yep. way. Hustle, yep. grind, both fun, both dances. Let's not make them that they're not fun. Right, right. Yeah, love that. Um, you would get along very well with uh, my producer, Chris, who, by the way, fantastic. I try to get him a little organic plug in every show because when people do really good work, I think they should be applauded. And that's in any aspect of life, whether they're volunteering, they work for you, their business partner, or spouse, whatever. Chris is a true friend of mine and him and his team cast ahead do a great job. He has a, we have a mutual friend between three of us and I'm sure you would enjoy him. Kurt Mercadante, who talks about people that get caught up in the hustle and grind porn of life, you know, and that's, that's kind of his tagline. And uh, I'm sure you guys would get along famously. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Chris can make a connection after the show. Um, Absolutely. Kurt's doing his thing out there in Sedona, Arizona, living just an amazing life, doing, living his version of a three-day weekend um, lifestyle for sure. So let's kind of take a left turn. Uh, all this stuff has led to really an incredible life. Like in your bio, there's been a point in time, you live in Naples now or the Naples area. Um, so you're near the water. But at a point in time, you were on, you were on the water in either North America or South America. Your lovely bride is from Lima, Peru. So talk about what that lifestyle was like and, and how you enjoyed that, those three days with friends and family there. Cause that sounds very cool. Sure. So my parents are originally from the islands, from Trinidad and Tobago. And I've always grown up around that perspective that life is more important than work. Work is important. It is important to be honorable. It is important to deliver well and to serve people, but life's still more important. And I've always wanted to enjoy the life side of it. And at times I didn't. Some of the times we were down in Lima, we weren't there. It took me a while to figure it out. So I was first, the first time we went down to Lima for about three months at a time, I think it was about 2003 or two. This is pre vonage and I'm still running a business virtually of a software company in the U.S. And I'm uh, literally burning individual CDs one at a time to send out my software. And then eventually I had a software company that was duplicated. So just not, I mean, so much more difficult than it was to, than mm-hmm. it is today. And yet the, the concept was, okay, I'm going to live in a way that allows me to enjoy things. I'm not going to reach the end of life and say, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. And going back to that basic question of why do we want money? We want money usually because it gives us experiences to connect with people, to travel, to, well, let's just shortcut that. Sometimes you don't need the money for the experience. It just so happens beach volleyball, not a very expensive sport. I just go to the beach and I play. Going to the beach, walking in the mountains, um, walking in nature, wherever you might be, a lot of that can be very simple. And so for me, it was simply a choice um, that we're going to do that. And then also my parents being from the islands and then eventually moving to the U.S. because there was a lot of political turmoil there. And my wife's family is very similar. They moved up here, but then they moved back down to Peru. And I just wanted to make sure that we got enough time for her to see her family, which we still do. They were just up here uh, last week. And to make sure, again, that we're staying connected with family. Gosh, living in different cultures, such a gift to be able to experience, to be able to uh, tap into a culture that is in some ways so much more relationally oriented. Uh, and then yet to come back to the U.S. and have so many things that are great about the U.S. and so much more organized and together. And infrastructure works. A lot of things work that don't always work uh, in some of those countries. So you get, you get an, a, an experience of both. Overall, I'd say what it does is it really dials down expectations. And that for me is the biggest thing. When people talk about, you know, what is it? What's one of those keys to being happy? I think on some level, 
It's understanding like, can I be happy with what I have? I just heard something recently, which I've, I've known this concept of Jordan Peterson in one of his uh, little TikTok clips that he was on, or he was talking to somebody put it in a TikTok clip. He said, do you know what it takes to be in the top 1% of income earners on the planet? And he said, the whole planet is $32,000 a year. And now, of course, there are some wow. cost of living adjustments in yep. different countries. But overall, and I tell my kids this all the time, money's awesome. Being abundant is awesome. But if you think it's required to be happy, you're wrong. And if you think that the next higher amount of money is going to make you happier, you're wrong. And so let's see how we can be happy where we are and, 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 and default happy, not just happy for a moment because something went my way, but that more blissful sense of, okay, yeah, things are good. I'm okay. Nothing's ever exactly the way we want. But if you watch enough people to make millions and multi-millions of dollars and billions of dollars, and they still have human problems, it doesn't go away. So to learn to how can you be happy, whether it's with less possessions, uh, in a simpler way, when you need less things, you can afford to make less. That opens up your career choices. If you have to make 250000 a year to support your lifestyle, so many career choices go out the window. If you can live off of way less, all of a sudden, maybe you say, I want to be a teacher. It doesn't pay all that great, perhaps, but I get my summers off and that's what I love doing. So a lot of it is about knowing what really makes you happy, not what the news says should make you happy, not what your aunt or your uncle or your mom or your dad, and, and no offense to any of them right. with all their best intentions. What <laughs> makes you happy to do what you do and then you know, make choices accordingly? And then yes, we got to find a way to fund those. Um, but every time as an entrepreneur that I overinvest in something I didn't need, whether it's personally or professionally, I have to work extra to make more money for them. So unless I have an unlimited money source, every time I waste money, I waste my time. And so I, I do my best uh, to not do that. I like to do the bootstrap and I like to keep it simple because uh, I've done it the other way. I've overinvested. I've thought the entrepreneurial gods will shine on me if I just throw a bunch of money and ping my credit card a bunch. I mean, I've oh, yeah. all done that. You know, hope. And, and there's nothing inherently wrong with hope, but when it reaches a point of almost desperate hope uh, or w giving away your power as if, some person on the end of a line is going to make you successful um, as opposed to yeah. no matter how good they are, even if it's basketball and you say, okay, great, I've got Dwayne Wade or Magic Johnson's going to train me. You still have to do the work. They can't literally give you what they have. So they might be some of the best coaches around. Ultimately, we've still got to do the work. Yeah. Uh, you touched on something there about money, expectations, what we spend, what the pressure that creates. I, you know, I do a lot of what I would call research for a number of different things. I use Reddit. I go into a lot of different niche subreddits. One of them is uh, entrepreneurs, business owners. There's, there's about 15 different offshoots of the topic, right? And I came across a post where somebody, I believe they're UK-based, they're like $300,000 into, of all things, cooling sheets for menopausal women. And they've spent all this money on gurus, all this money on SEO courses, all this money on... Um, you know, Amazon fulfillment and all this stuff. The one thing they've not done is reached out to people. They haven't picked up the phone and calling anybody. They haven't gone anywhere where these people might gather, like a home show, a garden show, right? Like think of an avatar of a menopausal woman. Where are they going to hang out? None of that. It's all just been, well, if I spend money and I hope, you know, everybody's online today, so that must be how I get customers. And they just haven't done the, the, the work, the bootstrap work, the work of building that foundation 
so that they know where to invest money and where to, and where to spend, uh, spend time and invest money. Um, by the way, what is, what is your software company? It's called Smart Bonus Systems. Uh, so it's a software. It helps insurance agency owners compensate their team members and reward them for performing oh, higher levels. So it rewards them for uh, producing with either uh, money incentives and or paid time off incentives. Very cool. And at one point, you were burning CDs. That That's near and dear to my heart because uh, uh, I may have done that a couple times over the years, way back. This is two decades ago plus now. I had a mobile DJing business. And I, I'm well beyond the statute of limitations. I'm not necessarily proud of it. But when you're spending 25 bucks a CD to get the one version of Daddy's Little Girl that you don't have out of the nine versions you do have, for, for a bride, for a special dance, you just reach a point where you're willing to break the law a little bit and, uh, and maybe burn a CD or two. Um, but, uh, yeah, the burning of the burning of the discs that, uh, that, um, uh, gave me a little warm little memory there of, of that time of digging in and, and, uh, creating something for myself and, uh, for others. So, um, yeah, so you got the software business. So you and and you're focused on mostly coaching um, insurance agency owners, insurance business owners. Actually, uh, both Entre entrepreneurs. Okay. So historically, I've, I come yeah. from the insurance industry world, and so I do know their business model. I'm in the insurance world. I'm a definitely a top level coach and consultant. So I can tell somebody here's what you need to be doing with entrepreneurs in general. I'm really good at the three-day weekend conversation, optimizing what you do best, taking control of your time. But since I'm not in every single field, I really don't necessarily always have that consultant piece. So again, with an insurance agent, I can just come and say, here's what you need to do, even if you don't know per se. Whereas as a coach, as you know, sometimes it might be, okay, well, let me pull from you what it is you need to be doing. And it's, it's really not that different. Um, but from an income standpoint, I can charge about a zero more uh, on the right mm -hmm. side, not the left, <laughs> for my insurance agency work, because I know it that well. I've got 35 plus years in it. It's like anything else. I've got seven to 10 years in the other, depending on how I measure it. Um, so, so yeah, but basically just helping entrepreneurs, also helping freelancers, employees. I have some courses up on Udemy and just some other free stuff on the site, just to help people take more advantage and, and just make better use of their time, enjoy family and friends. Yeah, and we've been flashing it on the screen, both the actual site, the titles, threedayweekendclub.com. Uh, as we look to wrap up our time, you, you brought something to me in the pre-show that's really smart. And I'm going to, honestly, I'm going to look to emulate it. Um, I just approved the VA this morning to help me with all the content that we create. I, I don't have a problem with content creation. creation. I have a problem with content distribution. Uh, Chris could attest to this. I have so much dang content stacked up. Um, we could probably, I could keep somebody busy for about six months at this point, just getting them started. So we're going to start that. But you came up with something really smart. Three-day weekend club, sorry, threedayweekendclub.com slash big ticket life. And uh, I believe the dashes are in there between big ticket and life. Is that correct? So yeah, three can, weekend we, club. We'll, either way. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure they're in there. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So either way, that forward slash after your website, what you're doing there is directing people uh, from my audience and it's going to live forever and they'll have some free resources from you on there. But what a great way to, listen, I love it. So thank you. 
because not many guests think about actively sharing the show. You know, the, well, there's a couple little dirty undersides and things about podcasting. And one of them is upon conclusion of recording, most times parties depart and that's the end of it. And that's on both sides. One of the things my VA workflow is going to do is to keep that connection, you know, keep that connection going. So you've done that with this URL, your website, threedayweekendclub.com slash big ticket life. So walk through where that idea came from and, and, and exactly what people get, because maybe I didn't do it justice. Sure. No, you're good. So a couple of things. So first, the idea is like you. So I'm a host and a guest. Um, one of the things that stinks the most is when you have a guest on your show and they don't share it. And it's, it's one of those things you'd, you'd never, if you even remotely have any sort of sense of reciprocity. And if you're, a, well, I, I won't say anything defamatory about people who don't do it. But you'd think, well, okay, if this person shares my show, shocker, I'll share it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to blast my email list. Doesn't mean I'm going to spend the next 20 years trying to get them to listen to my one episode. But if they, for example, put a, a post on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or TikTok that I'm going to support, I'm going to like it, I'm going to share it, I'm going to comment on it. And I found at least roughly about half don't do that. So they'll do nothing with it. Um, so as a guest, I'm doing my best to make sure I, I do things. And one of the things I wanted to do was, well, there's, there's two reasons for it. One, I wanted to be able to see, well, if I'm on a show, Big Ticket Life, you know, just curious how many people that listen to that show ended up coming in and looking at my site. And then also I want a unique URL so that I can do a couple things. Number one, again, I can track how many people come. Second, I can customize some pieces. I have some ideas, which once I, once I do it, Jeff, I'll show it to you. I don't want to share them now because then if I don't do them, I'll feel like I said I just didn't do something. But I have some other ideas of how I'm even going to customize. I'm not just going to have the same page for every podcast and just yeah. change the URL. Um, but also what I want to do is on any site, we have stuff that we give away. And usually there's like one thing that we might be, you know, that, that's an author or whatnot. And as you know, in the podcasting world, what I love about the podcasting world, we do our best to not hard pitch stuff. We do our best to say, we're going to lead with value, lead with value, lead with value. At the very end, we'll kind of say, well, hey, but by the way, there's this one thing, like in my case, there's a course I have or a you know, whatever it might be to say, hey, check this out. So what I'm going to do is on that page, whatever is the latest thing that is my one thing I'm looking to promote, I'm going to ask my uh, VA to make sure it's there. It's currently not there, but it will be. And then that way, if one of you all is listening to Jeff's show, and then you go and you see my program and you invest, I'll know that it came from Jeff. And even if he never signed up to be an affiliate or a, a promotional partner, I'll be able to give him that. And then you know the, the commission, the same way as if he were an affiliate. So it's now going to simplify this whole affiliate process of do you want to be or don't you want to be? If his podcast keeps sending me people and they buy because of him, I want him to get that money. And not just karmically, yeah. not just, well, karmically is part of it, I, but also because then I would want to know, wow, Jeff's sending me a lot of people. Maybe I didn't realize you know, what sort of is going on there. So again, I found stuff comes around uh, in a good way. I, I heard a, a recent little mini clip. Somebody was asking Taylor Swift, Really quick, like a kind of paparazzi's person just said, hey, hey, Taylor, real quick, uh, can I ask you one question? She said, sure. She says, what have you learned about life in your entire, like what's the most, probably one of the most important things you've learned in your whole journey as an artist? And she just didn't even blink. She says, karma is real. Like mm. that simple. And I found it to be the case. And somebody could say, well, Wade, you come from a family that has been together, that comes from uh, you know, a decent, stable family. So you could say karma is real. What about the kid who... Comes from, I don't know. I just know that I feel blessed and I'm going to do my best to continue to do my part to pay that back. But in the meanwhile, I'm not just doing it because I'm a nice guy. I'm doing it because it's flipping worked for me, or at least as best as I, if my right. people, little minds can figure, 
it's worked. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing that. So if I wear my, you know, my, my same pants for the Miami Heat game coming up, I'll wear my same pants again. Right. You know, it might get dirty, might get nasty, but until they lose, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with it. That's right. I love it. You know, um, I believe in that and I may or may not wear, uh, the same Eagles jersey when I watch the Eagles games on Sundays in the fall. So just saying it works. And, you know, as we look to wrap up, like that is really the way to look at it. Yes. We always want, we want better for those that were born into adversity through no fault of their own. There's no doubt that I think that's a great human quality, but your quality of karma is real of doing what you can. You don't have to apologize for your upbringing, but having done and do what you can to pass that forward. Because when you, you know, in the instance of if you put more money in my pocket, I'm going to go do something with it. I will go put back that dollar into other people. And, and maybe those other people are those that have less advantage than I. So love the way you think. Love the way you're living your life. Uh, you got three days of play time, four days of focus time. We didn't even get to touch on volleyball, but I guess volleyball, you play the two-on-two beach volleyball. Two-on-two beach volleyball. I was inspired. I'm young enough to, I picked it up because of Top Gun. So it looked cool. Nice. And I was a dork with a trombone and a braces and a zipper haircut and a butt cut. And yeah. And so. Nice. Actually, really fun yeah. game too, though. And, and that's, that is, that's not the new Top Gun kids. That's the Top no, Gun. No, that's a different. Oh, yeah. That, that's the original 1984 Top, Top Gun. Gun. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I had the Top Gun motorcycle. I bought one used when I was 19. Nice. So, Yeah. Wade, this has been a lot of fun. 3dayweekendclub.com is where you go to connect with everything Wade's doing or through right through this show's site like 3dayweekendclub.com slash big ticket life and put the dashes in between big ticket life or it's right there on the screen. Wade, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you. This has been a joy. Uh, really loved our talk. And for everybody else, uh, we'll see you next week on Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.